I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Wood Talk Online with your hosts, Mark and Matt. Take it away, boys. Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 17 for September 18th, 2007. I'm Mark Spagnolo. And I'm Matt Vanderlist. And as always, we should get this right out of the way, Mark, right sure. up front. Let's do it. If anybody has any comments, questions, uh, some feedback from something you've heard before or something you just want to tell us, you know, there's one – well, there's a couple of great ways you can get a hold of us. Number mm-hmm. one, you can contact us via email, which is woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can call us on our Skype voicemail, which is area code 623-242-2450. And uh, we'll make sure to have these in the show notes as always because I don't know if you're anything like me uh, short of the area code. I I go blank. Can't hear the rest of it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so what's going on, Mark? What's going on with you in in there? Is it it warm Arizona or is it kind of a chilly desert situation? Oh, no. It's it's kind of always warm Arizona. I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) This place is freaking hot. This, you know, was definitely not in the brochure when we moved here. But it's (laughs) liars. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's uh, now I have to say I was privileged with the air conditioning this summer. It made. Uh, what normally would have been an impossible situation, it made it at least bearable and reasonable. So, um, but you know what? It's it's you, when you have the air conditioning on, and I barely have any natural light. You know, so we're every single day. It's kind of, I don't know. It's the same thing. You just like when you work inside all the time, you never get to. Uh, you know, you're in cubicle in a cubicle farm somewhere. It's uh-huh. really, I don't know. It just kind of dampens your spirit a little bit. So. Uh, literally the last two days I've finally been able to open up the garage doors, let a little, you know, fresh air in. And even if I sweat a little bit now, it's actually worth it. I just, I I feel, you know, some nice fresh air coming in and it's uh, the temperature at least in the morning and at night is dipping down enough that I can uh, kind of enjoy myself in the shop and just relax. Ah, the change of seasons. I know them well. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, really with the building I'm in, we'd have this giant picture window, but you're right about the cubicles. For whatever reason, my boss has decided to put these, they decided to cubicle us up, I guess is what it really came down to. Okay. And now it's only me. So I've been trying to remove the cubicles, just like, you know, get the giant sunlight. But when I had my coworker, <laughs> she suffered from seasonal affective disorder, oh. and it would be the funniest thing ever because you'd walk in and she had this like giant sun lamp, you know, that's supposed to be like mimicking ultraviolet light. And you came around the corner and it was something you're like, oh, oh my god, what is that? <laughs> and first thing in the morning when you haven't had enough coffee, way too much light. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? No, I don't know too much about. I mean, is that that's a real sickness? They just they they don't cope well with uh, with uh, seasonal change or what's the deal with? Oh that? yeah, yeah. Apparently. I mean, she would she would get like really, really deeply depressed and even start having physical symptoms. Wow. And it was, you know, and, and I kept pointing out, I'm like, you can go sit next to the window if you want to. We we have, you know, one spot down there where the window is. You you can go sit next to it. But of course, she didn't want to do that because people would be looking at her periodically as they're walking by or something. And so instead, and, she brings a tanning bed into her cubicle, right? <laughs> yeah, she would. Extra light. <laughs> Just to get that natural UV. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it was horrible because she you could almost look she'd have like a raccoon look to her after a while. You know, it was, <laughs> it was really bad. You know, the, and uh, um, our, our bosses were really getting upset because it was definitely bumping up the electric bill on there. It was it was pretty hideous. Oh man, that's <laughs> funny. Well, you know what? If it's a, uh, a a true illness, I guess you know. Hey, they got to do what they got to do. Let her uh, yeah. let her rack up that bill. That's kind of funny. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was it was definitely a very interesting situation. So so when she left, it was like uh, you could almost see the mark on the on the wall from where the light was. <laughs> it just burnt, burned a mark in the wall with the the, the shadow of her head <laughs> to the wall. Yeah. Nice. Well, it, it affected the paint. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fortunately, I'm not that bad. Uh, but you know, I do get a a hint of that where it just gets this gets to be the same old crap every day when you go into the shop. It you know and don't have some fresh air and daylight, but um, fortunately, you know, a little, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, I finally, finally finished all of those armoires. Oh, the armoires. I keep forgetting. Every time I talk to you, I'm kind of hoping that maybe that's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> for your sake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it took about four months, four separate pieces, uh, and they're finally complete and delivered to the customer. And I am free to move on to all of the other wonderful creative projects that I've been holding off and, and waiting to get fully into. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, well, congratulations! A big applause for you. Uh, Absolutely, you, congratulations! You. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was rough. I mean, it, it, I, I, you really learn a lot about yourself when you make long term commitments like that. And you know, saying back in April, oh yeah, sure, no problem for these. You give them a price. The price is good. You're happy with what the uh, amount is and what you're getting paid. And four months later, you're covered in you know up to the knee and and wangy sawdust and splinters <laughs> all over the place. And it's August, and the last thing you want to do is you know, is do more on that one project. So, right. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'd rather be doing that than anything else. Uh, you Absolutely. Know, as, as miserable as it can be sometimes it's, uh, everything is relative. You know? yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'll deal with yeah. that any day. You know, it, it's like the, you know how like when they start talking about you know you're doing something way too long when it starts showing up in your dreams. Yeah. So h- how many dreams have you had about armoires? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, probably more than I want to admit. That, that's for sure. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, speaking of wrapping up things, in my shop, I finally wrapped up a desk I was been working on all summer long oh, great. for my daughter, just in time for school. And she has yet to use it. She still sits at the kitchen table. And we actually had an open house tonight uh, at her school. And it was like one of those, uh, does anybody want to share anything? Uh, yeah, me over here. Okay, Madison's dad. Um, I swear to God, the spaghetti sauce is not my fault. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it, it's all hers. But it, the most important thing about it is I finally had a chance to try uh, a, a, something new for me at least. And okay. I, I got away from just simply, you know, I always t- joke around about, you know, when I walk into a home center, I know exactly where every can of polyurethane is. I know where right. every minwax, something like that. Um, I tried shellac for the first time. Nice. And I, I've got some, I felt very comfortable with it. And I, I think I got some really decent results. Who knows? Time will show up eventually. Maybe, yeah. maybe not so. Good. But it, I used it on some cherry, and holy crap, did it make the cherry just look beautiful? Really? Now, how did you? Uh, what did you use for your application method? Um, a, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, a, uh, a brush. <laughs> okay, so you just brushed it on. So what? Um, did you just get a can of like the bullseye? Um, yep, exactly. Yep, okay. it was it was a bullseye one, and I I actually uh, diluted it down to about half of what it would have been. So what? I think those cans are a two pound cut, something um, like that. If I'm correct. Those I think the uh, ones that are just standard shellac, I believe those are three pound cut. Okay. Well, in that case, I I tried to dilute it down to like a one to one ratio. Sure. So okay. it was it was really it was really uh, liquidy. It's really loose. And I would I put on just like multiple multiple coats. Yeah, what well, makes it a little easier to brush at that point? It flows out real nice. Exactly, because that was the one thing I was so concerned about. Was I had the one incident with the guy at the actual paint store who I was going to buy the exact same can of shellac from, and he said, "Well, have you had any experience with it?" And I said, "No." He goes, "I can't sell it to you." I'm like, "What do you mean you can't sell it to me? I've got cash in hand." <laughs> he wouldn't go for it because he felt I didn't have enough experience with it. What a turd. Yeah, so I'm like, how are you supposed to get experience when you won't let me ever have a job? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I need so. some to practice on, and you won't let me buy it. Yeah, I promise it's just going on scraps. <laughs> well, I mean, so. what? come on, the guy's selling friggin' shellac. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, he's selling dangerous uh, drugs or chemicals that <laughs> you've got to be, you know, especially trained to use. Sell the damn thing as shellac. Let the guy get some practice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Give me a break, so, so I did have a chance to do that. Of course, my That's mother-in-law awesome. was visiting, and uh, so she had some, you know, great things to do with it. I'm like, I never knew you used shellac. She goes, oh, I haven't, but I, I you know, she knows everything. Don't tell me why she said that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's great, man. So then you, uh, how many coats did you wind up putting on? 
I ended up putting on, it was about five or six. Okay, good. And I mainly did that on the areas that she was really going to be writing on, the areas that were going to get the most, you know, uh, uh, see the most uh, um, uh, stress, basically. Right. And, you know, and I went from there. And I kept reminding her, don't put anything alcoholic on this. If I, I was going to say, what what is she going to do when she's drinking that uh, that after-homework beer? Uh, well, no, that's going to be her mom, though, probably being oh. there, like, spilling stuff <laughs> on there. I don't know why these numbers aren't matching up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, well, that's so. good, man. It's always good to try some new, uh, you know, some new finishes and, um, uh, you know, just get those those things under your belt. So at least now you can go back to the, the other store and buy some damn shellac from that guy. Exactly. I'm going to take him my receipt and go, look, somebody else did it. Now I got experience. You want to sell it to me? I don't want it. <laughs> nice. What a jerk. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. so uh, from from jerky people to nice people, you want to uh, give everybody a little reminder about the, the whole uh, bandsaw blade deal? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The great folks over at Highland Woodworking. I'm sure you're familiar with them. It's, it's, it's a nice little catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are giving us a free wood slicer bandsaw blade custom size to whatever size your bandsaw is. And the way that you can get yours, if you want to get one, I mean, you know, all, it's really, it's free. So why not get one? Yes. All you have to do is send your name to us and you just send it to WTOpromo at gmail.com. And that pretty much, we're just, that one's set up for this particular promo. So just send it there. You put something nice in there. Like, you know, we love your show. You guys are the best, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff like that. And we will enter your name in. And each month we're going to do a drawing. And one of you lucky listeners is going to get a chance to win this great wood slicer resaw bandsaw blade yep. from Highland Woodworking. And just to add something, just in case anyone's confused, um, make sure that uh, you only really need to send it in once. I, uh, that's That seems to be how we're going to do this. So once yep. your name or your email address, I should say, is in the pool, we will always shake up the same set of names um, You know, to, to draw the winners. So uh, if you've already sent it in, you don't have to send it in again. But if you haven't yet, get that uh, email in there so that you can uh, be entered to win. It's a, it's a great blade. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, good. Good pointing that out. As I could suddenly see, like you know, wow, our numbers just totally doubled. Oh, yeah, we, we, that's the thing. And it, what a pain in the butt to have to send it in every single month. But speaking of pain in the butt, in which you will have to send something in every single month, uh, over at the Wood Whisperer, we are having the Fest Cool giveaway. And if any of you haven't heard about that yet, we are actually giving away a Festool tool every single month for probably at least the next year. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be their ETS-125 sander, uh, but a few times out of the year, we're going to veer from that and actually do a more expensive, more serious, you know, big time, you know, one of Festool's uh, special tools that they're really well known for. Not that they're not nice. known for their, their sander, but, you know, something like maybe one of their saws or um, uh, one of their, uh, what the other fancy schmancy sanders that they have anywho uh, yeah one of the other ones uh yeah big tool nice the rotex that uh, did just <laughs> it, escaped my brain for a minute the rotex sanders okay um so all you have to do is go to the wood whisperer website and over on the, the right hand side the right hand column there's a fest cool giveaway um uh button that you could push and takes you to the page that explains everything uh but very quickly there's a challenge question every month that will require you to do a little bit of light research on the festool site and Yes, it's a good marketing strategy, and suck it up, people. It's not much work. If you want a free sander, you're going to have to do a little work. Oh, let's see. Uh, a little research or go to the store and put money down for possibly winning something. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, and it's, <laughs> and it's not just any sander. I mean, this is a kick-butt sander, and I doubt you'll ever have to replace it. Uh, really, really good stuff. But very simple question. This month's question, for instance, you have to name the different types of abrasives that Festool sells. And they, they have these really weird, unique names. Um, it's all the types of abrasives we have in other brands, but they've decided to name them something specific. And there's seven different types. And that's the challenge question is to answer uh, what are those seven different types. And if you can name them and, and send that to Festool at thewoodwhisperer.com, you will automatically be entered to win uh, this uh, this sander. And uh, every month there's a new question, so you will have to answer that question every month to be entered into the contest. Yeah, sweet. Well, that's simple yeah. enough. And exactly. as always, uh, for, for sure, we'll have these this information in the show notes uh, just in case your memory's like mine and you're like, what did you just say? Faux show. <laughs> yep. And uh, real quick, I'd just like to, to bring everyone's attention to some of the awesome articles that we've had on uh, – on the website, we've had just to highlight a few of the most recent ones. Um, you can look up there now when we have an article by Joe Woodworker on mm-hmm. um, veneering. It's called Thin is In. Hey, and, I find uh, that very offensive because I am a big guy. <laughs> 
I'm not going there. Oh, anyway. oh he's talking about the veneer. Sorry. Yes, the veneer <laughs> is thin. Thin wood is in, is what he's trying to say. Oh, uh, gotcha. But Joe Woodworker, great guy, has an awesome website, uh, joewoodworker.com and veneersupplies.com. Everything and anything you could possibly need or want to know about veneer, you're going to find it there. And uh, he wrote up a little article for us about veneering. So check that out. Nice. Uh, Tom Ivino, good buddy of mine and a uh, frequent author at the Wood Talk online site. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote, um, did you happen to get a chance to read this one, In Love With Ugly? Uh, yeah, I thought he was, again, I thought he was talking about me. I'm like, how does he know these things about me? <laughs> well, just the, <laughs> I did. The, I thought that was a great article. <laughs> the title of that was just hilarious. And, and yeah, it is, it's a great article about uh, having you know a not-so-pretty workbench, but you know, having a, a sort of affection for it because it has treated you well and, and there's no reason to replace it. So you're uh, in love with ugly and uh, you keep ugly around the shop for a while. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we've had uh, an, a couple of articles by Kaleo uh, over there, uh, down under, I should say. Oh, yeah. Uh, his latest one was on jigs and jig making and had some really good helpful tips in there. And can't forget Neil over at Furnitology put up a, a nice thought-provoking article about what was the last... Uh, period in quotes, I would say, uh, of furniture history, since, you know, furniture history, like anything else has these specific periods that are, uh, pretty well known and documented. And he's sort of raising the question and what period are we in now? You know, what, what is, what are the, the main characteristics of this period? So if you're into furniture history, definitely a cool article that will, uh, you know, bring up some names and some, uh, periods that you might want to do some more research on and learn something about. Nice. Actually, well, these, all these articles coming in, they're all thought-provoking. That's it's kind of great. interesting. Well, that's what I love about it. There's so many different people, and I'm trying to get good quality authors and people who just have something, a different point of view than you and I might have. Mm-hmm. You know, And um, I think people will get bored if it was just me and you writing articles constantly. So right. um, you know, they hear enough of us you know, talking on this show. They don't need to, to hear us writing constantly so, to, to read our articles. Um, I don't so know. Let, my, my ego's big enough we could write a whole tomb. <laughs> a few should, volumes. Yeah, maybe we should. We can have you write your own uh, like encyclopedia-sized thing. But, uh, but, you know, and it's also a great way for people you know, who don't necessarily have another venue to get these articles out there to reach a pretty good-sized audience and, uh, you know, spring up some conversation about this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love reading Tom's articles. He, he cracks me up every single time because I'm like, I totally can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom and I had a couple classes uh, at American Sycamore and actually got to hang out in person and stuff. And he's he's hilarious. Uh, he's from Jersey originally and uh, lives in Florida now. And he's just he's just a cool guy to hang out with. He's a lot of fun, good sense of humor and uh, a damn good woodworker, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Some beautiful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sweet. Well, since we kind of went over a little bit about the uh, Wood Talk online articles, mm-hmm. you know what? We, we've got some uh, some emails from some of the listeners that have actually been listening to the show. Sure Apparently, do. There are still some out there. That's kind of interesting. Believe it or not. Well, you know, things are a little slower now. We've been saying that for a while, but, you know, the show comes out a little slower. You know, I think the thing is right now, this is when the ramp up starts. People are finally getting back into their shops. The kids are back to school. Uh, the temperature is coming down a little bit. And uh, this is, this is the beginning of the woodworking season. Absolutely. Oh, I, I can't agree more. It's, it's definitely, it's time to head indoors folks and fire up those tools. Yeah. Get those questions to us too, because uh, honestly, the more questions and the more voicemails that we get, I think that sort of, you know, pushes us to do the shows a little bit more often because that is the bulk of our content, you know, for the shows. So by all means, keep sending these questions in. Yep. I wonder if that means kind of like, you know, like when kids head back to school, like over the summer, they've forgotten everything they learned from the year before. Are woodworkers like that? Most likely. <laughs> I think we, we tend to forget things the, the the week after we were told them. So Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had to go back and reread the same damn thing that I've read a hundred times about, I don't know, some, usually it's, it has to do with finishing some, you know, rule about what can be applied on top of what, and I've got to go back and reread it, you know, 20 times, but yeah. Yep. Hey, that's a, you know what? We're all getting old. What are you going to do? Exactly. And that's the beautiful <laughs> thing about these types of shows between our, our videos and our audios. You know what? Rather than having to wait for the next time for it to come around on your favorite channel, we're right there all the time. 100%, 24 mm-hmm. seven. We even work on Christmas. We do. We do. 
So we sweet. do. <laughs> All right, let's get into this first email. <laughs> now that we've babbled enough. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> All right, uh, our first one here is from Alan, and actually, this is more of a comment than an actual question or anything. So let's go sure. ahead and just jump right in. It says, after listening to your show and seeing Mark's vidcast on setting up a new bandsaw, I switched from using paste wax on my table saw and jointer and started using T9, and I've been really happy with the results. This weekend, I discovered a benefit of using T9 that you'll probably never see in their marketing. Dried blood lifts right off with a quick swipe of a shop rag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Amen to that. Oh, boy. Uh, Good to Got know. the left thumb with the table saw blade. I missed the thumbnail. Oh. Mm. Hit the bone but did not completely sever it. Ouch. I don't even know if I want to finish reading this. Uh, Yikes. Let's see here. Only seven stitches, but it, that's because it couldn't be completely stitched up. I learned a new word, avulsion, which means the forcible tearing away of a body part by surgery or trauma. Or my shorter definition, chunk missing. <laughs> That's all right. I got a new word for you, Alan. It's called revulsion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Thank goodness. I, it's been a while since I ate dinner. <laughs> so let's see. Alan goes on to say, I'm right-handed, and I found that the you never really think about how much you use both hands until you try to do something, uh, do things like say wash the right side of your body or do up buttons on your shirt. <laughs> wow! Tomorrow I'm fo- following up with a hand surgeon, but in the meantime I'm here at work, high on per- uh, Percocet and making a lot of typos. That wow! I think from the original email, um, his typos are nowhere near mine. But no, uh, it's a pretty good email. And so, like he said, it was not really a question, but just thought uh, he'd uh, throw in a real life example of why. Why safe work habits should always be the first concern. Keep up the great work, Alan. Wow. Yeah. Well, jeez. <laughs> Good luck with that, Alan. Hope you feel better. Um, do you want to go get a saw stop now? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, hmm. saw that... stop, this would be a good spot for you to uh, maybe step in. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly. I mean, you, you got to wonder what, what would have happened if he had the saw stop. Would he have just walked away with a Band-Aid on it and, you know, that's uh, that's definitely one of those situations and why they may you know why they're doing so well is to prevent exactly that type of accident so absolutely um, yeah get well soon alan and uh stay out of the shop while you're on that percocet absolutely yeah yeah especially with it even if the thumb gets all healed up definitely no percocet nothing like that in the shop um yeah no. <laughs> all right well let's move on to uh the next co- another comment this actually is from mopar dude he's a frequent uh chat room guy okay um, i'm gonna blow through this he sent us a really nice uh long detailed email explaining um, you remember back a few episodes we were talking about the the question someone had about flush trim bits and different diameters oh yeah 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 and you and i i mean truthfully we kind of flubbed the answer i mean we we just said oh i don't know it doesn't matter whatever you yeah. want um, there is obviously some logic to it. You and I just weren't all that aware of it. And in all practical you know, senses, for most woodworkers, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But um, Mopar, dude, I think his name is actually Tim, gave us a little bit more information and more in-depth reason why you might want something different than just the same the same old uh, you know size and you might want a variety of sizes but let me just rip through this real quick okay cool uh, he says when rounding you typically want to use the biggest bit possible rather than smaller for two reasons first the bigger bit has deeper flutes deeper flutes means that you can have a faster feed rate and punch more parts out and deeper flutes make a decent chip load and it moves it out of the way faster second and this is the most important bigger bits will dissipate heat faster Heat is the number one killer of bits, so the cooler you can keep the bit, the longer the it will last no matter what you're routing, pretty much. Uh, if you compare two straight flute bits of two different sizes from the same manufacturer, more than likely the carbide edges are the same size on both bits, which tells you that the cut the cutting is cutting. Maybe maybe the cutting I don't know what he's trying to say. The real work <laughs> the real work is uh, getting the cut material out of the way. Okay, so if you're not clearing the chips fast enough, you get more of a heat buildup. And he also goes on to explain, um, you know, the smaller bits really just produce more dust and less big chips. And the dust kind of just hangs out around the bit and generates more heat and thus dulling the bit much faster. He also says, interestingly enough, as a side tangent... um, as if the show wasn't full of them enough. What What is he trying to say? I don't know, but, you know, I was reading the other day. It was something uh-huh. about tangents, and uh, oh, I forget it. We'll go back to his question, <laughs> or his comment. <laughs> that was a good one. 
Uh, going back a few more episodes, you guys mentioned spiral blades for jointers. Prime example of a perfect blade design and why they last longer and cut better than straight design, or at least for most applications. The spiral achieves two things at the same time. The design means that the whole cutting edge never contacts the wood at the same time, so whenever one part of the edge is cutting, the rest of it is cooling, and you run more parts through before sharpening and get a better cut, too. Also, the spiral design forces the chip load all in one direction faster. So... Um, some good points there and some, uh, interesting, uh, things to think about when purchasing, you know, not just router bits, but also your jointer and whether or not to go with that spiral cutter. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you, Mopar, dude. That's, that's great. You know, the, the one comment in there about the bigger bits and how they help to dissipate the heat, isn't that mm-hmm. kind of like the evolutionary theory behind elephant ears? Like, you know, the bigger giant and then that, you know, that helps to dissipate. In the- yeah. The blood flows through the ears and cools quicker because there's more surface area. Right. I believe that is true. Wow. See, not only are you learning woodworking facts, but we're now learning a little biology. Yes, little- exactly. Hey, you know should- what? We are multitaskers, and that's what we're about here at Wood Talk Online. That's right. We, we want to bring the best for all our listeners so that you walk <laughs> away far more educated than the hosts are. Wait, yes, and right. tune in next time when we start talking about genetics. <laughs> or psychology. <That'd> <laughs> yeah. And then psychology the week after. Yeah, there we go. So, see? <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, let's move on to our next question before we start really losing more people. <laughs> we have a question here from Roberto, and he says, hey, fellas, what's cracking? Oh, my knuckles. Um, let's see my back. <laughs> uh, I'm building a cedar box, not as big as a blanket chest. Then again, not a shoebox size either. Imagine a really big mailbox. How about a bread box? That, that's where, yeah. Well, I can imagine a really huge mailbox. Uh, I could, it would, if I could imagine a huge mailbox, it would be so huge. It I would, would get so much mail. Yeah. And, and, and packages with freebies, lots huge of freebies. packages. <laughs> like M&M's. <laughs> uh, yes. Where's Bob when you need him? Send us more M&M's, Bob. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. I don't, I <laughs> All don't right, want to. All right. So, Roberto, back to your question after – got to get the drool out of the way first. Um, <laughs> I'm building it for my upcoming wedding, this box you know, about the size of a big mailbox. I am building it for my upcoming wedding to serve as a gift card box. Hmm. I purchased a Porter Cable Dovetail Jig Model 4212, and I have never done this before. My question is, since I'm a beginner, should I do a through dovetail or a half-blind dovetail? I need the easiest method available. I think they both look great anyway. Additional question, what stain oil, etc., should I use the box with any, if any? So, uh, first of all, the first question about, uh, as a beginner, through dovetails or half-blind dovetails? Um, as a still quasi-beginner, as far as I feel, <laughs> um, my question, my answer, I, I think... Honestly, the way I look at it is half bl- half blind dovetails with the jig to me seem to be maybe the best way to go. And my number mm-hmm. one reason for this is somehow I always manage to mess them up somehow. And at least you can make the outside look good and the inside, you know, maybe could be mangled a little bit. Right. Um, and really when it comes down to it, I, I've done, you know, uh, through dovetails by hand. I've done them with a really, really crappy jig also. Um, and through dovetails are so touchy because if you think about it with through dovetails, essentially you have two sides that you're looking at. So it's one thing if you mess up one, but the potential of messing up, you know, the, the other side too is it's there. I mean, you've increased it, you know, by, I don't know, two, something like that. And so from both sides. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, they could really, really, really mess things up, but I think as a beginner, and you've got a really nice jig there. I, I kind of looked that one up online, and it, it's it's very sure. nice. It's ten times better than the crappy one that I had, um, <laughs> and it's nicer than the one I was actually looking at. And yeah. so I think you know you have a decent jig, so therefore it's easy for easier to get better results from it. But as always with anything, especially like with a jig or something like that, you need to do some practice runs. So remember, practice makes perfect on this. But yep. in my my opinion, dove, uh, through dovetail dovetail versus half blind dovetail i say go for the half blind dovetail since you said you you don't mind either one equally so that right. would definitely work okay well you? before well before moving on to the uh staining oil question that he had um i well i'm going to get on my teacher soapbox here and ask him why he wants the easiest method possible good question I mean, why not challenge yourself if something is a little bit harder i mean the bottom line is neither one is really really hard you know, if you've got the instructions, you got a decent router, you got the, you know, a really good um, 
dovetail jig, I don't see any reason why to try to find the easiest one. How about do the one that looks the best? There you go. And, and go from there. And I mean, if you fail miserably, fine, and you want to do something easier, but you got to get that under your belt anyway. Both are going to be necessary skills for you to learn. So why not practice on this project? Um, what I would recommend, I like, you know, I like your theory on the half blinds that sort of covers your butt for, you know, at least partially for mistakes, but he's doing a box, right? For display purposes, right? A half blind is going to look a little bit kooky, right? Um, you know, when you do an exposed box to me, you want to do through dovetails. You want to show that off from all directions. If you do half blinds, when you look at it from the front, you won't even know that there's a dovetail there. Yeah, you got you a know, you got so. a good point there. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I do. I mean, first of all, I I love the look of a of a through dovetail. Sure. And uh, um, yeah, I'm trying to see how can I turn this argument around to my favor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I well, agree. let me let me help you there. I would say uh, if if he has now, I don't know enough about this jig to know whether this is one. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Where you can cut the half blinds, where you actually cut the pins and tails in one shot. Right. Okay, where they both fit into the jig. If that's the case, that would probably be the easier one. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, to, to purely answer his question, if that's the case with that jig, then sure, the half blind is probably the easiest way to go. But that's not what this is about. Challenge yourself. Right. You know, number one, challenge yourself. Go for the through dovetails because it is going to be a two-step process no matter what. And secondarily... This is your wedding. Everybody's going to see this. Put a little bit more effort into it and uh, make a really kick-ass box. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, this this jig does. It, it is. I think it is. It's the one with the, the you do the pass all at once. And I agree. Through dovetails, beautiful. I uh, have dovetail, half blind ones. Uh, pretty easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're 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 meant for an application. They're meant for drawers. Right. And not that they would look awful, but you know, it's gonna. It's not. I don't think it's the right way to do it for. Uh, you know, a blanket chest or a box like that. I think you should. Uh, I think I've made my point clear. Let's move on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm gonna concede on this. Want to concede or secede or whatever? I'm gonna yeah. agree on it. And okay. uh, yeah, I say challenge yourself because that's right. You you're never gonna go further until you do challenge yourself. But do have blind dovetails. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? People people have been asking for us to differ in opinion more often and uh, i think we just did so you know oh. it's fair enough and if anybody asks tell them you just want to get done because damn it you want to get to the honeymoon that's it end of story exactly <laughs> well that's really the best part of the wedding so right uh, okay so his additional question what stain oil etc should he coat the box with if any um i'm going to say if you have to use one because you don't necessarily have to use it i mean wood can look beautiful as it is chances are it's going to be in a darkish room anyways. I mean, most reception mm -hmm. halls I know at a wedding, lights get turned down. You get all romantical. Um, yeah. but, well, it's also cedar. Right. So, know, it, so it, is an, it is an aromatic wood. Right. And so it naturally looks beautiful anyways also. Yeah. Um, you know what? I say the, the, if you really want just a, a quick one there because, again, you want to get to the honeymoon real quick, just go for a simple poly or something on the outside. I mean, you don't have to uh -huh. do the inside. We've talked about that before. Sure, sure. I would say uh, if you have to do something, if you want it to look like it's got some finish on it, I probably would throw my vote for maybe just a light coating of tongue oil. I mean, this thing doesn't have to be super durable. Um, but honestly, it's made out of cedar. Leave it alone. Yeah, let the natural I mean, it's gonna, beauty it's gonna, show. Yeah, it's going to smell good. And, uh, you know, you cover that with a finish or put an oil on there. You might interfere with that or worse yet, make a weird concoction of smells that, that may not <laughs> smell too pleasant. So... 
Um, honestly, it's made out of cedar. I, w- I would actually vote for uh, letting it be. Absolutely. Mother Nature made it beautiful. And then on top of it, you don't want to open the card from, you know, your great aunt, great aunt Tilly and your wife goes, oh, my God, is that your aunt Tilly or the box? <laughs> <laughs> Someone smells like mothballs. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to Larry's question. Uh, he says, uh, we got some long ones today. Oh, man. And they're here's all yours, puzzle. too. Good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm going to lose my voice here. All right. He says, here's my puzzle. For the last three to four years, I've been trying to dry. Oh, you know what? I read this one. I could shorten it real quick. He's got a crap load of mahogany that he's been trying to dry, about a 100 planks of it. He said almost 2,000 board feet are at stake here. Um, he found them outside, and they have been heavily weathered. And they're pretty thick. He said um, that they're about, I think he said they're about two two inches thick. Now, he says it brings him, here, this brings him to the question, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, we get a bit of rain from time to time. You might imagine that lumber stored like this, vertically, basically, on the ground, uh, might get a bit wet. It's a testament to mahogany's rot resistance that any of the planks are even intact. Uh, when we get them, or when we first haul them in, uh, each weighed over, well over 100 pounds. Ooh. Wow. And they pegged out the moisture meter, which only goes up to 36%. So they sealed up the ends, stacked, stickered it, and put them under cover, still outside, and then waited. So a year and a half later, they got them down to about 25%, and they started putting them in a uh, in a loft in his shop. Okay, yep. A couple years later, they seem to be hovering around 12 to 16% moisture, and he wants to get them down to 6 to 8 uh, so he can use them in projects. And basically wants to know what the best way to do that is. And from what he's read, that you can create some sort of a kiln process for them, but he's not sure how to go about it. Uh, but, 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 let's see. He also wants to know if uh, if surface planing them would be a good idea uh, to get rid of the rotted areas or if he should let them dry as is. Um, some people say that, you know, removing the outer layer would speed up the drying process, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, it's protecting the usable wood if you leave it there from, from what he's heard. Okay. Uh, so he's basically looking for suggestions there and he's nervous because 2000 board feet of mahogany is a lot of wood and a lot of money. So man, what a fun. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, definitely worth doing something with, uh, here's what I would say. I'm by no means a kiln drying expert. So, you know, take this for what it's worth. The first thing I would do is start researching, hop on Google, look for solar kilns, look for homemade kilns, do a few searches, go into forums, ask a few questions. Just get some opinions from people who have done this. Uh, one of the most common things you're going to come across is a solar kiln. So it's basically like a greenhouse, uh, makeshift greenhouse outside uh, that, that kind of keeps it at a higher temperature and um, you know blows out the moisture so that you can get that down to a lower percentage. I mean, 12 to 16, he's in the Pacific Northwest. That's about as good as it's going to get you know, just by nature. That's, oh, yeah. you know, that's at equilibrium at that point. Um, he says, men- he also mentions putting a fan and, excuse me, maybe a heater in that space. And okay, that might help a little bit, but unless you really get the, the humidity down in that area, if it's in a loft in a barn, that's going to be a lot of electric, you know, to keep that, uh, <laughs> to keep that thing going. And as soon as you turn it off, the moisture is going to flood right back in. So I don't think that that's a good long-term uh, solution. So uh, do a little bit more research. I don't want to give them too much info because I honestly don't know too much about the kiln drying process. Right. Uh, but I do know the bottom line is, yeah, he does want to get it down a little bit more, um, but it's the nature of the beast. You know, as soon as he gets it down to six to eight, he's going to have a limited window of time in which he can actually work with it before it sucks that moisture right back in there. Yep. Um, I will also say that I probably would recommend that he does plane it down. Generally, um, you know, I can't remember what the exact number is. You want to dry wood for a year per inch of thickness. Yeah, that sounds right. That's what I was. I was just trying to look a few things up, and yeah, that's that's the number I keep coming up with. Is yeah, for every one year or for one inch, it's one year. Yeah. So if you do plane it down, you will reduce your dry time significantly, and especially if there's a rotted area. I don't see any reason why you – I mean, maybe I'm wrong and someone who knows more about this could could steer us in the right direction, but it doesn't seem logical to keep the rotted material on there. I mean, it doesn't need to be protected very much. I mean, even if you leave a little bit on there, just get – you know, take a quarter inch off of each side and clean it up. Uh, it'll dry faster and, you know, be usable much, much faster. Right. You know, there's, a, um, there's actually somebody here in Michigan who – 
he's written several articles for I think it was like Popular Woodworking or something. Even as soon as you mentioned Solar Kill, and I was like, oh whoa, uh, John yeah. Wilson I think is his name. I'm trying to bring up a, a, a web page for him right now. He lives in Charlotte, Michigan. I know he's, he sh- sells like shaker oval box supplies, and he also does a bit mm-hmm. of uh, he does projects and stuff. And actually, here's one right here on projects on Solar Kiln. He okay. he actually has a, um, a telephone number and a uh, uh his web address and everything well we can put this on here that's shakerovalbox.com um he might actually be a great person to get a hold of just to kind of pick his brain or something he, from the one an article i'd read about him you know he's definitely one of those guys that just you know does what he can to answer questions and everything and you know he, it just might be a resource to turn to to find out a little bit more about maybe you know bringing it down just that little bit more i mean michigan maybe not quite as wet as the pacific northwest but um you know we definitely have our moments <laughs> sure yeah so definitely more than arizona yeah gee really <laughs> oh you guys <laughs> have the opposite bit. problem <laughs> uh yeah we do that's for sure so that's a, I, I will make sure to put this in the show notes like i said it's shaker oval box and it's uh it a john wilson um cool. and we'll make sure that you know hopefully at least point you in a direction because like i said i know recently Maybe a few episodes or a few episodes, a few uh, uh, issues ago in it was like popular woodworking or fine woodworking. I know that they had mentioned um, a, a solar kiln. So maybe that'll give you some uh, references, at least as to maybe how to get it a little bit further uh, drier. So, sure, yeah. yeah and, but I, I agree, like if you can kind of bring that thickness down or something, obviously, if we, you know, it is one inch, you know, uh, give it a year kind of a thing, then obviously that would help to dry it out and. Sure. You know, all that good stuff. So, wow, that is a hell of a fine. I wish we've got family property and I never find anything like that on our property. (laughs) You just find old soccer balls and, uh, you know, cans. Yeah, I find like poachers. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So, all right. uh, Let's see. We got another question. And uh, um, let's see. Oh, this one is from uh, Hi, Mark and Matt. Greetings from Japan. Ooh. Yep. All right. Yep. Let's see. We got here. international listeners. Yes, we do. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm an avid listener to your various podcasts since a few months back. Thanks for entertaining me on my train commute. Keep them coming. I wonder if that's the bullet train. That hmm. he has to listen really fast. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might be, they just double speeds it, makes it twice as fast. There you go. Okay, let's see. Uh, I have a small hobby shop, bandsaw, router, table, compound, miter saw, and various hand power tools in my carport. And I'm concerned about dust collection. I now use the old broom and dustpan method. Uh, my question might lack common sense, but here it goes. With no walls in my shop and myself almost always wearing a mask, do I need a real cyclone dust collector, or can I get by with good wet and dry shop vacuum connected to my power tools? I have many more questions, but this will suffice for now. Let me know what you think, Evan. All right, Evan. Well, obviously, since you're working outside and you're saying you're using a, you know, wearing a mask, mm-hmm. I'm, you know... I, I'm not really that concerned about having uh, that you're going to be sucking up all that dust, you know, that you're that like you would like a basement shop or an enclosed uh, garage shop or something like that. I mean, a carport, my idea of right. a carport carport is really open. So I think for the majority of the tools, from what it sounds like there, I'm pretty sure you could easily get away with just the wet and dry shop fact. Now, does that mean that those are the best, that's the best, you know, you could do? No, if you could maybe step up to, uh, um, even like one of the, the small, like one horse horsepower, um, uh, dust collectors, you know, you might be doing yourself a favor, at least with overall power, but sure. it sounds to me like, you know, mother nature's caring, taking care of most of the problem. Um, you know, obviously wearing a mask and everything helps out, but as for the rest of it, I almost, are you going to keep the cyclone dust collector outside also? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's my thing. I'm looking at that going, you got those yeah. things outside. That's kind of, wow. I yeah. Could do that in my neighborhood. <laughs> well, he's in Japan, and there are people around there, like ninjas, that hide out and uh, kick the crap out of anybody who wants to steal anything. There you go. <laughs> that's, at least that's that's what I learned from asking ninja. Oh, oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> I have yet to check that one out. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. You got to check it out. Okay. Well, you know, it, I I think I I think I completely agree with you here. I mean, it's it's a it seems like a wide open air shop. You know, so he's not going to have that enclosed dust everywhere kind of thing. So more or less, it sounds like it's just a matter of convenience and cleanup. Right. You know, so he doesn't have to do the dust broom. And and the bottom line is if you're wearing a mask, most of that airborne stuff is just going to flow right out. But you still don't want to breathe it as it gets kicked up into the air. So wearing the mask, you know, it's the way to go. I would certainly not 
begrudge him if he chooses to do nothing at all and just wears the mask. I mean, give it, you know, 20 or 30 minutes and then all that airborne dust is blown right out of there. Right. Um, you know, the wet dry shop vac, I don't think those are really good for long use, you know, and especially if you're using it properly with a bag and a filter, you're going to go through a lot of bags. And, it, and if you don't use the bag, you're going to go through a lot of vacuums. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, so I don't know that I agree. I don't know that that's the best option for him. So he may want to invest in one of the cheaper roll around, you know, one to one and a half horsepower units. And then, you know, then it's got the four inch connector and it's going to fit better with his power tools as well. Right. Um, you know, but ideally, you know, just wear that mask and, uh, you know, use the shop vac to do some cleanup. But I just I don't know that he necessarily needs to go to the point of a, a real full scale cyclone dust collector that might be overkill for that situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that was in, I was imagining like one of those little yeah, one little horsepower on wheels, take it around something similar to what yeah. I have in my shop. Like the, you, know, you just move it from right, tool like to the tool. little delta unit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 definitely. So you know, do you, do you need something bigger? Um, as always, as woodworkers, we definitely like bigger tools, but do we always well, need them? Uh-uh. No, I mean, and the thing is, if he wants it and he's got the budget for it, it will make his life easier. It will keep dust out of the air and it'll, uh, you know, make it easier to clean up. But it's, is it completely necessary in that environment? Uh you know, probably not. Right. And then on top of it, think about which way the wind is blowing. Do you have the neighbor that really irritates you? That's the day to <laughs> sand the hell out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. Very good point. So sweet. All right. Let's uh, cruise on into our voicemails. We've got two this week. All right. And I will uh, we'll lead off here with uh, a question from Ken. Hey, Mark. My name is Ken Preciato, and I'm from Platteville, Wisconsin. I've been uh, listening to all your shows and love the, love the uh, show. Keep up the good work. Um, I got a question about finishing. I've been uh, woodworking for about 10 years now. In that time, I've sprayed and wiped on pretty much every finish I can think of, from shellac to, um, gosh, polyurethane to lacquer. <clears throat> and um, I'm looking for a finish that, uh, that won't leave uh, rings from glasses. Basically, everything I've done to this day still, if you, if you leave a wet glass on it, it'll leave a ring. And I'm not a huge fan of coasters, so I'm looking for some product out there that won't leave rings. Um, and I, I don't want to go the route of, uh, you know, like a really thick bark top coat of epoxy. You know, I still kind of want that uh, low finish look. I was wondering if you guys know of anything that uh, has, you know, will, will work and, and won't leave uh, rings from glasses for a coaster-free furniture world. Uh, thanks so much. Keep up the good work. All right. Well, um, I, I don't. We don't need to talk too much about our setup. But Matt actually can't hear these voicemails, so I, I will reiterate what Ken said. <laughs> Basically, he's just talking about water rings on finishes, and if we could recommend some finishes that uh, that won't be as much of an issue for. And he's looking for a coaster-free furniture world, oh, nice. which would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now, I mean, the bottom line is he wants to avoid the epoxy bar top coat, mm-hmm. and I I can't blame him because that looks like garbage. <laughs> Um, the thing is, it's very difficult. The bottom line is moisture and wood finishes do not mix. No, not at all. Um, you know, the, the truth is though, they have come a long way, you know, since the early days when just about all furniture was, you know, finished with things like, you know, shellac for instance, which, uh, you're definitely going to have some problems with a moist glass being set on. So, um, you know, the new polyurethanes, the, the latest materials that they use are pretty darn good. Um, Mm -hmm. now if you sit a you know, on a hot day, you sit a cold glass of ice water on there and leave it on there for four hours. There's not very many finishes they're going to put up with that. No, definitely not. You know, the 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 white water rings are are simply from water being trapped, moisture being trapped uh, down into the the lower layers of that finish, and you have to find a way to get that moisture out of there. Um, the best you know, the best thing to do is not let it get there in the first place. So. Um, coaster free would be a nice way to go, but unfortunately, you know, if I don't care what I finish a piece of furniture with, no one's putting a wet item on it ever. (laughs) And that's just, you know, something that I have to enforce myself just because I don't want to take any chances. Right Now, that being said, what I would probably recommend to give them the best chances of, you know, when that does happen, uh, the best chance of survival, uh, are a few different recommendations. If you want to go the polyurethane varnish you know, esque route, I'd recommend starting to try maybe general finishes, armor seal. Okay. Uh, It's pretty high polyurethane content. I've used that on a number of pieces and it had nothing but great results. Uh, I finished Nicole's desk in the office 
And she, you know, puts all kinds of, you know, whether it's a hot mug or uh, cold ice water or something like that. She's put a number of things on there and it has held up very, very well. So I have nothing but good things to say about that. Uh, another product that I really like is Balin's Rock Hard Tabletop Varnish. Uh, it's a short oil uh, varnish and actually has a low oil content, very high uh, resin content, which is going to just make it a very, very durable, um, very suitable for tabletop use. Uh, that might, you know, resist more than a standard polyurethane. Okay. And lastly, the other thing that I've had a lot of luck with and uh, have used in more commercial applications is pre-catalyzed lacquer. Uh, Pre-cat lacquer, not anything like the standard nitrocellulose lacquer. Um, I remember one time I was working at my buddy Cody's refinishing shop and we ordered a pizza. And one of the tables that was getting ready to be refinished, so it wasn't a big deal, uh, we actually decided to eat dinner on it. We were pulling a late night, sat the hot pizza down on the table, and weren't really thinking about it. Oh, but no. it took about five minutes for that heat and moisture to drive right into the finish. And the, the in the shape of the pizza box <laughs> was this huge white spot. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what a nightmare if that was like a – obviously, we would have been idiots for eating on a finished table. Um, but the fact that this was about to be stripped down and completely refinished <laughs> wasn't a big deal. <laughs> but, it, and, you know, but that was an older table that had an old lacquer finish on it, probably just a standard nitrocellulose lacquer, and was a good example of how quickly you can destroy a finish like that. Well, the same table, we wound up refinishing later and hit it with the, the pre-catalyzed lacquer. And we even, not with that table, but we did do some tests with moisture and stuff. And man, night and day difference between the pre-cat material and, uh, well, even standard catalyzed lacquer versus the um, non-catalyzed versions of lacquers. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and uh, we use the Sherwin, uh, Sherwin-Williams brand, which is really, really good. So, um, But do do be aware that most of those catalyzed and pre-cat stuff, is it's kind of like next level finish and is a little bit more dangerous to use. The off-gas uh, gassing from that stuff is really nasty. A lot of times a byproduct of the material is formaldehyde. Okay. You know, so, so you want to take a lot of precautions when using it, have a lot of ventilation and let it dry and get out of the room and just let it do its thing because you just don't want to hang out there if you don't have to. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, sweet. Um, do, you, do you have any experience with that? I mean, anything you can recommend beyond that? I think, um, uh, I'm thinking that's the uh, basics sheet metal. of it. You put that on top of it. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Most any any pro that I've asked about that same question, they say, "Yeah, the best finish is a glass top." There, there you go. That that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, if you don't want water stains, then uh, you shouldn't have a, a a wood with a finish on it. Have a glass top, and you'll be fine. Absolutely. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you started mentioning that concern about waterings, I suddenly realized I had to get my coaster. <laughs> and, and we're yeah, woodworkers, minus, so minus... use your scrap wood to make coasters. <laughs> yeah. Now I'll tell you what, though, I have. My desk in the office here is finished with deft lacquer. Um, I was doing kind of a rush job as opposed to uh, Nicole's desk, which I put a little bit more care into, and I used the armor seal. My desk has received a number of times I forgot to, you know, to take care of my ice water and uh, and have I don't I didn't get a white ring, but it kind of went through the finish and sort of bubbled up the the wood underneath a little gotcha. bit. So. Not real happy with the deft product, okay. but uh, good point. You know, write that down. I, I don't really like that stuff. So, anywho, moving on to our next voicemail, okay. and uh, we got a hustle here. We're almost hitting an hour. Uh, we got another uh, voicemail from okay. Mike. So let's hear what Mike has to say. Hey, Matt and Mark, this is Mike from St. Paul checking in. Uh, love the shows, keep them coming, learning lots of stuff, and uh, these are a great resource. Uh, like Matt, earlier this year, I picked up my first jointer, and I also, like Matt, got a 6-inch uh, versus an 8-inch for space reasons because it uh, fits in the shop a little better. My question was, most people say you're limited to only 6-inch wide boards that you can face joint, and my question is, can you remove the blade guard and do half in one pass and half another, thus increasing a 12-inch capacity? I've read this several places. Uh, personally, I'm a little leery because it seems like a major safety issue taking the guard and doing it in such a manner. But uh, I've read it a few places, so just wondering what your thoughts are on it. Keep up the great work, love the shows, and we'll talk to you later. All right, so Mike is asking about using a 6-inch joiner, uh, doing multiple passes for boards that are wider than 6 okay. inches. 
by taking off the um, spring-loaded guard <laughs> okay, and, and making multiple passes. Now, I will say I have read that, and I think I've even seen it in the product manuals where that's a recommended procedure for flattening boards that are wider than, uh, you know, than the, the bed's width. Right. Um, have, first of all, have you ever done that? I haven't done it yet. Uh, it, it crossed my mind, but I'm so concerned about, about any tear-out um, right. I realize that you can minimize the tear out maybe by taking lighter passes, but um, I just uh, yeah, it's I, I know I know it's a safety issue, and like most home woodworkers, I'm sure many pros or something like that, it's like one of those when nobody's looking, certain things happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, for me, I've never done it. I've never felt the inclination to take that guard off. Even you know, I to me, it was like you know what, it's probably worth the extra work than to take the guard off and. You know, I, I I don't even necessarily if it is in the manual. No matter who wrote the manual, I don't necessarily trust that. I had a manual once that explained how to sharpen the joiner knives by placing a sharpening stone on the bed and turning the joiner on. Oh, <laughs> and that that literally was part of the procedure to sharpen those knives. Now, you know, I guess you could debate the safety oh level God. of that, but there's no way in hell I'm doing that. No uh, way. You know, so although that may be acceptable procedure. Uh, for some people to take that guard off and run it in two passes, completely aside from the safety issue, I'm really not 100% confident that that's going to give you a nice flat surface. No, because to, to some degree, it seems like you're going to have a bit of a ridge in there because yeah. it, it just, I mean, the idea of being able to push it through face down is to take care of all that. And if you're going one side and then the other, yeah, it just seems like at some point you're either going to have to come back and touch it with a hand plane to somehow even things out, or you're right. going to run it through your thickness planer. It just, yeah. it, it seems counterintuitive, really, when it comes down to it. it it's supposed to be one simple pass. Well, yeah. not simple, but well, now I could see, like you said, if you maybe do several passes, get one port as much of the board as flat as possible as you can. Let the other unflat stuff hang off, and then maybe pick up your bench plane and right. swipe away the rest of it and keep it nice and level, that actually would be pretty easy to do. Um, but I don't really have that much confidence that if you do one pass, excuse me, I mean, and you know, maybe if the board is already almost dead flat, you know, but if you're dealing with a board that's got a little bit of a bow or a twist in it, when you flip that around to do the other side, things are not really registering the way that they should. I don't think there's enough registration for you to confidently whip that thing around and expect to wind up with a perfectly flat board when it's all said and done. Right. Um, I could be wrong, but it just doesn't register in my head as being a good thing to do. So, right. um, you know, you got a six inch joiner, you just do the best you can cut your pieces down. And then if you have to glue them back up afterwards, once they're uh, jointed or, you know, some of the, we've talked about it in the past, some of the other methods to, uh, to joint, wide boards without having to cut them down and you just have to do other things other than use the, um, you know, maybe like a planer sled yep. uh, as opposed to expecting the joiner to do it. So again, user discretion. Personally, I would not do it. Right. You know, and this is actually, I'm kind of curious to see if, uh, if we get some feedback on this, who, who has done this. I'm just, I'm really curious to see, hear from people their results or something like that. Yeah. You know, cause yeah, this is definitely, definitely seen it before. Definitely have heard about it. Well, it might just yeah. be routine for some people, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I going to try it? Definitely don't know about that. <laughs> no. Well, and that was the thing when I, uh, I had a six inch joiner as well for the longest time. Um, you know, and you, you make do with it, but I always found that there, 90% of the time my material fell, maybe it's just my supplier, but it fell between six and eight inches. Mm -hmm. And that, that extra two inches, although it's not that much, saves me a crap load of work because now I just throw them right on there and one pass and it's done. Um, you know, so it, it, it's definitely something that, you know, but he, he did mention that he's in a similar situation to you where space is a consideration. So he had to go with the six inch. Right. Um, but I got by for a real long time with that six incher and it was it was fine. You know, it right. was more than adequate. I just cut everything down and uh, glued my boards back together six inches at a time. Yep. Yeah. It, it's the price we home woodworkers have to pay. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. And you know what? Safety first. And he is concerned about the safety aspect of it. Can't blame him. So, uh, you know what? Yep. If that little alarm in the back of your mind is going off, you should probably listen to it. Exactly. You stole the words right out of my mouth. Yep. yep. There's a reason it's there. Uh, heat it. So yep. cool. Absolutely. Well, I think that wraps up another fantastic, delicious Wood Talk Online episode, Matt. Absolutely. I had so much fun doing this. I don't want it to end, but I, oh, I... We should do this every day. We should have like a 24-hour network that's just us. Oh, we, we should. kind of do. I yeah. 
<laughs> we'll, get a, we'll get a whole Ustream thing going, and uh, you know we'll both be on camera the whole time. It'll be fantastic. Oh yeah, I'll, yeah. We'll have it set up in the shower. Wait, no, no, that's not a good thing. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know about. I don't think we'll get many viewers, but uh, you know we'll come up with something. So exactly, sweet and, man. Yeah, and hopefully, you know what? As we start to get more into the, as I said, the woodworking season, and we get more and more questions, and things just start getting more active. Who knows? Maybe we'll go back to doing a weekly show. Absolutely. And I'm hoping of course, we can. It, yeah. <laughs> It'll be I, fun. It will be. Definitely. I, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. <laughs> no, I keep interrupting you. I'm very good at doing that. <laughs> no, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> no, it was me. So anyway, so if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, or some feedback, especially that, that last part about the, the six-inch joiner and if you've made multiple passes, drop us a line at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or get a hold of us at the uh, the. The voicemail, again, the number is 623-242-2450. This stuff will all be in, in the show notes along uh, where you can put in the promo so that you can enter for some free stuff. Yay! Sweet! Uh, yep. Yeah. well, until next time, we will catch you guys next week. All right, take care, everybody. See ya! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.